Well, hello everybody. It's Jean Nathan. It's Crosstown Conversations. And God, I'd like to say that the winter's over. But coming over here tonight when I thought it was going to be kind of feeling warmish, which it did earlier today. Ooh, no, there was that damp chill again. And as we come to the end of the winter, and I have a, um, a subjective impression that Mardi Gras comes when spring is going to start. And it has something to do with the phases of the moon and the position of the earth. I don't know what it is. You know, maybe my, my buddy here, Ann Timmerman, who's with the LSU Ag Center, who's going to help us understand what to do about all our sad little palm trees around town. I'm, I'm a plant whisperer. When I walk into my um, property and I, and I look to my right and I see something that's kind of wilting, I'll say, are you okay? I mean, are you going to be all right? <clears throat> so I'm I'm worried, and as I go around the city and I see uh, places that are just all brown, it mm-hmm. breaks my heart, and I think, oh, Lord, I, I wish I had told somebody about my Chinese fan palms, mm-hmm. which are remarkably green. We're, we're probably going to lose a branch here and there, a stalk here and there, but generally speaking, we're still green. If anything, you know, we're we're kind of overpopulated at this point. <laughs> I've got to think about, you know, um, who can I get to adopt a few? You know, <laughs> is there a shelter for for palm trees where I can send my palms? <laughs> well, you could always put them on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> Something like yeah. that. Um, so, Anne, let's talk palms for a minute. Uh, we're going to start our show with this, and then we're going to be moving into a a really interesting conversation with uh, former councilwoman Peggy Wilson and um, Mac McWilliams, who is a Zulu star and a buddy. And um, we're going to be talking for one about Johnny Jackson, who we just lost. And uh, I don't know, it seems lately like I've, I've, you know, I I really do sometimes want to do a tribute to somebody who was an important part of our lives in the city. And so Unfortunately, there's been a few lately, so we'll get to that. In the meantime, we're going to talk about our poor little dying brown palms. (laughs) What is going on? I mean, we know that we had some pretty – we had lingering freezes. That was part of the problem. Yeah, and and part of the issue was that it lasted for so long, and we did dip down to as as low as 19 in some parts of the city, which is pretty unprecedented for the last 20 years. Where was that? Uh, that is on the West Bank. They're saying 19, so it's 18 colder degrees. On the West Bank. Yep. Yeah. Um, but here in town, uh, the temperatures that I recorded were in the low 20s, yeah. and they were sustained. And it's that yeah. lingering cold that really night did a lot night. of things mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I have, I also have the subjective impression that my part of town, mm-hmm. which I understand is also your part mm-hmm. of town, around <laughs> Esplanade, going towards City Park and the lake. Yep. I think we're a little bit cooler. I think we are also. Um, I think it has more to do with the position where we're at compared to the, the bodies of water, the lake and the river a little bit you know, further out than maybe Lakeview. So water does act as a heat sink. So out in Lakeview, they may have gotten less cold damage in their gardens, but in areas where there's more wind and less of that insulation of the water, the temperatures tended to decrease a couple of degrees. So that's something people should keep in mind when they watch 
you know, I go on my weather undergrounds mm-hmm. and my, my radar to see yep. what's going on. <laughs> and um, they see that it's going to be X temperature. And I always say, mm-hmm. well, yeah, maybe. And maybe it's going to be a little bit cooler. Yeah, you have to take that with a grain of salt. Usually those weather reports are coming out of one weather station, maybe right. two or three. Um, ours usually come out of the airport. <laughs> um, so... Locally, you might have a microclimate, even house to house, yard to yard, neighborhood to neighborhood, um, you know, heat sinks into water, brick surfaces, stuff like that can help trap the heat of the day and help insulate during the evening. Hmm. And so where I am, I have an unusual amount of um, dirt and green (laughs) around my house. That's one of the reasons why Mm -hmm. I picked it when we were looking for a place Mm -hmm. um, many, many years ago to buy. And um, so... What kind of a microclimate would that imply? Well, if you mulch things, that's going to insulate the soil. But mulch. if you don't mulch, <laughs> no. that sunlight is going to hit the soil surface. So that soil is going to stay longer, warmer than if it had that protective covering on it. So that's actually not a bad thing to have bare soil. During the winter. During the winter months. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk palms. Because mm-hmm. that, that's what really looks like uh, ginger, yep. bananas. But ginger and banana, I'm assuming that cut it back. Yep, cut back. it back. They'll be back. Uh, now is a good time, now through March, to cut all that the... That was my next thing, yep. because they always tell you, <laughs> don't do it right away. Yep, wait. don't do it right away. I wait. don't understand mm-hmm. the weight. Give me that. Okay, so it's, it's kind of like... Um, the damage you may have you just mentioned it the damage seems to be getting worse since the freeze that's because that plant tissue is dying back um, more to the base of where that living tissue still exists so things like ginger and bananas the rhizomes underground are still alive and it might take a few weeks to see where that dead point is and where it starts and where it stops um, also if we do get another freeze which isn't unlikely our last frost date is February 25th so the end of the month. How do we? How, how do you? How how do you pin it down to that exactly? Um, it's all based on USDA hardiness maps and uh, different crop reports. I file a crop report each week, also. So all that data is recorded, and there's some complicated formula that they use to determine the last frost date. But it does use historical data as well. So we might get a freeze into March, even if it's something out of out of the usual. And everything seems to be out of the usual right now. That's yes. another thing that, mm-hmm. I mean, what used to be typical, I mean, again, as you said, we haven't had a really bad freeze in, Since in 20 years. Yep. Right? Yep. And um, I remember the snowfall of, <laughs> of um, uh, what was that? 2008 was the last big one. <laughs> well, there was, a, there was a snowfall around uh, 2000, I think it was. Okay. Or it, it could even have been as long ago as... 1990. I completely lose the sense of any kind of time, but we had this. We had very warm weather, mm-hmm. which often happens, and then sudden cold. Yep. And there was heavy snow on mm-hmm. everything. That really took down my palms. Yeah. Even my Chinese fan palms. Yeah. And the Chinese fan palms are pretty hardy. You know, they can get down into the teens, no problem. Um, but it's the queen palms we really have to worry about, and those are the ones that people are calling a lot to my office wondering if they're going to come back or not. And I, I have some bad news as far as the queen palms go, but if you call in about any other species of palm, the news is usually good. <laughs> so tell, tell uh, people which are the queen palms, because I, I think half the time we don't know what palms we have. Um, yeah, and you can always Google it, um, which is helpful, because there are about a dozen different palm species in the city. Um, the sago palms are actually a cycad. They're not actually a palm. So that, further, yeah, that yeah. further complicates things. But the queen palms, they get about 30, 35 feet tall. 
Um, they're real feathery at the top. I would describe the fronds as more of a traditional kind of fern-looking frond, um, but they're real tall. Uh, those are the ones that look solidly brown right now. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, commenting to you before we went on the air about my, one of my favorite palms in the whole city is on Galvez. Mm-hmm. I think it, I forget what Cross Street is, but it's about two blocks in from Orleans, or maybe even just one block, mm-hmm. two blocks in from Orleans going downtown. Mm-hmm. And there's a little yellow Creole cottage mm-hmm. on the corner, and then there was this tall, tall, beautiful palm. It's been there my entire life <laughs> in New Orleans since mm-hmm. the 70s. Yep. And it's all brown. I think that one in particular is going to come back because I live on that block. And I, I do love that palm now that you mention it. It's that it's a double Creole, little Creole cottage, and then there's a smaller pink house to the left. So that one, that's the only tree on my block now, and uh, I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> Why? Um, well, that's actually a fan palm. So that one is a little bit more cold-hardy as well. I think it looks worse than it is because the power company came and trimmed all the fronds off one side of it. Oh. Yeah, uh-huh. with that one. So, so mm-hmm. that brings us back to the issue of um, to cut or not to cut, and mm-hmm. when. So let's let's yep. get that down. Yep, I would wait until early March on any of your palms if you're going to cut them back. Um, the exception being the sago palms, which are actually a cycad. Um, if those are brown, you can cut those back. And those are the real spiky kind of sh- kind of low growing uh, dark green ones that a lot of people have in their yards. Um, but with all the larger palms that you might have um, dead limbs or fronds on, you do want to leave that material there just in case we get another freeze because it will act as a windbreak and help protect that growing point within. Oh, that's why you're supposed to leave them up. Yeah. How, and the bananas? Is it the same thing? For, uh, well, no. Because I always tell you yep. for bananas to wait, too. Well, with the bananas, um, the mother trunk can sometimes survive. So you want to make sure that that is in fact dead before cutting it down because it's an awful lot of work to remove a banana tree if anyone's tried it. Um, Especially when they're dead, they're very full of water, they're heavy, difficult to cut as well. Um, So you do want to wait and see what damage has been done. Um, Citrus is a good example. You really don't want to prune your citrus until June or July because that lingering cold damage is still affecting the tree's growing points. So Well, I noticed that a lot of the citrus, uh, the younger citrus trees mm-hmm. in particular, yeah. around uh, the city, not so much in the city, but um, I, I go out to uh, Poitras a lot, mm-hmm. where we have uh, an art project, Crevasse 22, and um, all these little babies, they had a ton of fruit. Yeah. Fruit's gone, somebody picked the fruit, but now they're like all brown. Yeah, and if if they're brown and retaining their leaves, that's usually a bad sign. That means that there's been more cold damage. Um, citrus has different hardiness levels as well. The satsumas are usually very hardy, kumquats, calamondins, things like that. You get into the limes and the lemons, and that's where I'm really worried about young citrus trees, even mature trees. I've been on a couple of farms in the last week where I've seen mature lemon trees that I don't think are going to come back. Really? Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> which raises another issue. So I got um, sort of obsessive about the lemons because mm-hmm. um, we, you know, Myers, a lot. Oh, they're wonderful. That's a, that's a special <laughs> you thing. You can't beat a Meyer. <laughs> so I, I picked all mine because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want my fruit to freeze. Yeah. Right? And so... A neighbor of mine, Mio Fache, lives on the bayou, mm-hmm. and I, I went by her place, and I said, oh, my God, she had a tree just loaded. I said, Mio, we have to get these lemons down. I'm surprised she, said, she didn't pick them. they're going to be just fine. They're not going to freeze. And I said, yes, they are. Yes, they are. They, they can no, and they not. will. No, they're not. <laughs> so I finally said, look, I'm going to bring my buddy, a uh, guy who works with me, um, 
Michael, who is just you know terrific, and and I said, Michael, we got we got to pick these lemons. I don't care what she says. <laughs> so we picked all our lemons mm-hmm. and we put them in you know receptacles. And we said, do something with these mm-hmm. lemons, Mia. You know? So I wound up taking them to various bakers and making things okay. out of them. Yep. Had a big lemon ca- uh, king cake party oh, and wonderful. what have you. Yep. And um, I, I I think she gave hers away primarily mm-hmm. to um, to friends, but. Was I right? You were right, yes. Thank <laughs> you. You can tell her that because I know her. Um, and her mother was actually a wonderful gardener also. Um, she had a native plant garden right there on the bayou. So, right. Yep. Yeah, well, <laughs> good. I, yep. I hope she enjoyed her, her yeah. lemons because um, <laughs> yeah, I, wasn't, they, I wasn't leaving them on the tree. I just no. think it's like somehow kind of obscene. And, it does and change the flavor also. Um, if they freeze and thaw uh, several times like they would have during that cold snap, the last one, um, that can cause the cell walls to burst and they'll actually start to ferment. So it's it's a good thing you picked them, <laughs> unless you're oh. making limoncello. Okay. <laughs> all right. Now, so back to, um, okay, sagos. I wanted to touch on sagos. Yeah. God, I hope you all are interested in this. I know this is kind of esoteric, but this is a city of art. It's a city mm-hmm. of music. It's a city of food. It's a city of architecture. The last thing people talk about, which I think is such an important part of the city, is the landscape. Exactly, we and, can and grow all these things, wonderful green all things kinds we have. Of things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I am a little bit obsessive about it. Okay. So my sagos. Mm-hmm. I've seen sagos around the city that are totally brown. Yes. Mine are not, but they look like zebras. So you can actually remove all the fronds now or in March, and they will regenerate and be nice and neat and tidy. Um, people who want to keep them controlled a little more do that every year anyway. Um, yeah, but so if, I don't yeah. like cutting them up. I like to let them spread You let out. them do yeah. their thing, and yeah. I think that more natural look is attractive. But if you have limited space, I've seen where people remove the fronds sure. each year. So, um, but it is okay, and I can. Yeah, do that it's now. it's okay right now. Um, they're so hardy that you're not going to hurt them. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know, because <laughs> I I was really kind of freaking out about that. Too. <laughs> no, they look worse than they are. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and then, so how about some of the other kinds of things that are are not palms? So azaleas. And... The azaleas and camellias are going to do just fine. Um, mm-hmm. If they're not flowering on schedule, that's just due to the cold. Any buds that they were forming during that freeze are probably going to drop. Um, especially the camellias, but don't worry, they will make new ones. You're just going to get a later bloom. That was another mm-hmm. question I had is when they freeze, when mm-hmm. the buds freeze, what happens? Do you get new ones or yep, not? You'll you get, get new, new ones. ones. Yeah, oh, they'll, they'll drop so them. <laughs> yep. I'm feeling so much better Good. to know that we're going to get <laughs> our, our buds back, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially the camellias. Yep. Um, so I, I think I'm getting a signal that Mac is here. Oh, phone call. Oh, okay. Oh, somebody's going to help us uh, with our green plants. Hello. What you got? Hello. Hi. How you doing? Um, my question is snapdragons. Why snapdragons? Little small plants mm-hmm. do good in the cold than the bigger plants. And um, another question is, when it was cold, could you use kind of um, plastic to cover it? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plastic or uh, old tarps, bed sheets. Um, you can use just about anything and, and tape it over your plants to help protect them. And the uh, the snapdragons here, we actually grow as a cool season annual, so they're they're adapted to the cold. And you might get a little bit of freeze damage on the blooms themselves, but you can just pick those blooms off, and they will start to regrow. Yeah, my last question is uh, elephant ears. Mm-hmm. Yep, they look bad, but they'll be back. You can cut those back down to the ground as well. Can we cut them now? Uh, with those, I would wait until early March. 
and then cut them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've got a lot of el- elephant ears too, and oh, they're so beautiful when they when they grow up. But yeah, uh, my experience has been they come down, but then they come back up. They come right back. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, but so um, you know, what's your prediction? Is this kind of thing that we went through? Are we going to be continuing to go through this? Um, it's hard to say. Uh, weather comes in patterns. We we all know that. We learned that in school. Um, and we're just due for a hard freeze. Um, I work with Dan Gill, and he remembers all the freezes since before I started this job. So it's been really good to read up and, and pick his brain about it. So it it looks worse than it is, but we've come back from it before. And it's going to be a really good year for garden centers. So I encourage everyone to shop locally and uh, choose some new plants that you'll love. <laughs> well, um, I think that we're going to... Um uh, see some new planting. Uh, one of the things that we noticed after um, Katrina was mm-hmm. initially the city just looked really awful. It looked yes. like a, an atom bomb had hit. Everything was brown mm-hmm. and horrible, and you couldn't even. There was the smell of the air changed because mm-hmm. there was no green in the air. Exactly. It was horrifying. Yeah. But then one of the important signs that people were coming back and things were okay is so you start to see little plants and green Mm -hmm. in front of homes again and it was just wonderful and this Um, is a city that loves to garden so i think it is really special we can grow a lot of things that other places can't and everyone here can be a good gardener because everything just grows (laughs) so and what are your favorites oh that's a a difficult question i have a pretty large collection of rex begonias um that's sort of my obsession i had a rex begonia (laughs) in my apartment in new york in Mm -hmm. my youth yep they're beautiful. Um, I also enjoy salvias uh, for the butterflies. I have a huge butterfly garden in front of my house, but Do don't look at it right now. I'm waiting to cut it back, and I'm going to restock it this spring. <laughs> but I, I love the butterfly and pollinator plants as well. I have uh, a little bit of lantana around mm-hmm. in my yard, but it doesn't do well for some reason. It needs a lot of sun. Yeah. Yeah. We have lots of trees. Yeah. <laughs> a lot too many trees. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to have you back on occasion and we're going to check back in. Is there anything else that I haven't asked that is important to share with people right now? Oh, here's one thing. Mm-hmm. They always tell you that you should water everything just before a freeze. Yeah. Is yeah, that that's true? actually true. Um, Explain why cuz so I don't understand it. That helps the the plant to recover a lot faster from the freeze. You notice how things kind of go limp. After they freeze, well, things that are cold hardy also tend to go limp. But if they have that water available to take into their cells, they'll regenerate and, and perk up a lot faster. So it's actually not a bad idea. I thought maybe also it kind of kept the roots and things it plump. Keeps, yeah, it keeps them plump instead dried of dried out. out. Um, dry soil doesn't retain heat as well as moist soil as well. So that's another good oh, reason. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, two important reasons. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yep. And please plan on... Checking in with us, you know, as the seasons change, we'll, we'll check in with you. Wonderful. And bring you back. Thanks for having me. And um, I am now going to switch gears and bring in two people who um, I just recently caught up with over the weekend at a very important um, event that was startling <clears throat> in the number of people who were there and had something to say. So this was the funeral for Johnny Jackson, who um, I, I, I'm sure probably most of the people who are listening to me right this minute know Johnny and have had some interaction with him because he got around. He took care of people, and he was a part of our city in a way that was something really special. And so 
Um, I um, really wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about him today. And I have with me two people who know him in different ways. Um, and, and in one case for uh, probably, I don't know what, 30, 40 years? 45. 45 years, really. Mac McWilliams, who I know from our work together on uh, the broad uh, community connections, that's the organization that brought us Whole Foods and the whole center over there and other <coughs> things that are happening on Broad Street. And Peggy Wilson, who's a former councilwoman who served with Johnny for – about eight years. Well, oh, eight years. Yeah, we were together eight years. That you were on the council together for eight years. Right. And so, and, and those were the days, Peggy, when you had something called Cross the Aisle, right? When people worked on both sides of the we aisle were friends. with each other. We were friends. Right. And Peggy was uh, uh, <coughs> at the funeral, as was Max. So, um, you know, I don't know where to start, but Max, since you probably knew him as a younger man, um, yeah. I want to start with you. and because. Okay. You know, what was it? Uh, I think by the time I left, I left around, uh, the, the funeral started at, at 10. I left around 1230, and it was still going strong. And there was just one person after another yes. testifying about yes. how, the effect that he had on their lives. So how did you first get to know Johnny, and why was he important to you? Well, we become uh, real good friends. And it all happened when I grew up in the Cherry and he was in the Ninth Ward. But there were protesting things going on, panted things going on. He was very involved in quieting that situation in the Ninth Ward, which prompted him to be running for the representative, House of Representatives. And uh, we worked a few campaigns together. Oh, did you? So you worked yeah. with him on his campaigns. Yeah. That's, that's one and, way to get to know somebody. And But I always worked from the back, you know. Mm-hmm. The, last, the last few campaigns, I was took more of a uh, lead with him running. Not a lead as the campaign managers, but lead with him, moving around and making sure everything's going right. Mm-hmm. That's how we first met, you know. In but, politics. Yeah, around politics, well, but I knew them. him from some of the other people that were in the Ninth Ward, and mm-hmm. I got to meet him. And me and my brother, who mm-hmm. was in politics a little bit, he ran, uh, uh, he was one of the promoters of, of uh, Dutch Murillo. He was a campaign manager. So I was meeting different people while I was an accountant, you know, and that's been my career field. And you've tried to keep everybody straight. Yeah, kind of. Oh, look, I just spent the whole day today trying to get a grant report in, and I am, like, totally numbers-phobic. Mm-hmm. I'm actually better at it than I admit to myself or anybody else, but I'm phobic. And so it's like, oh, I have to do this report, and I have to what? I have to do yeah. – this has to go where? And, oh, I'm pathetic. I'm absolutely yeah. pathetic. So I, you guys are really, really important. Okay. Also keeping us out of trouble. Yeah. You know that's really uh, an important part. But um, what what was what was the quality of Johnny that drew you to him? Well, my brother was already active, and I mean, man, I was active, and uh, we come to a consensus at one point that he was a, a really good and honorable man, and especially when you see him, anybody, whether it's his district or uptown or anyway, they knew him, and they could stop him. Hi, how you doing? I want this. Can you help me with this? So he was almost a city person. 
and he had the temperament to talk to everybody and find out if there was something. He'd tell you no if there was something he couldn't do, you know. And then later on, on as we got older, he was my hand buddy. We'd hang all the time. People would have seen us together. Yeah, he, we'd, we'd hang all the time. We'd do a lot of things. We did a lot then, but not as, as much as we did the later years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Peggy, I, I think you would share um, the opinion that Mac just expressed about his being an honorable and good person. Johnny was a character, first and foremost, and I met him first um, on Inauguration Day when we were both inaugurated. He had been already been on the council, and it was my first time. But I had actually met him at the legislature before then when I, when I had gone to the legislature to lobby for things. And uh, Johnny and I were very good friends as um, we continued to be even after we both left office. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to inform the audience so they understand that this is not your everyday uh, friendship because Peggy is a hardworking, active Republican um, with, I would say, both a civic um, commitment as well as a conservative commitment. And I would have to say Johnny's not exactly conservative. We were not exactly on the same page politically, but... um as it was on the on the city council when I served, we got to be we all got to be friends. There were seven of us, and we all got to be friends in one way or another. Um, there was not real animosity. And since we've all gone out of office, when we see each other, it's old home week. We hug each other, and I actually ran into Johnny about a month or two before he died, and he looked absolutely fabulous. And I said to him. Johnny, you're looking great. He was dressed really sharp, and he had trimmed down a little bit, and he just looked wonderful. And I said, what's happening? And he said, well, I I live in a Republican suburb in Houston, and so I just want you to know that it all turned out great. So he was was letting me know that um, he was on the edges of the Republican Party by being in that subdivision, and it was cute for him to say that to me at that point. Sure. But you got things done together, didn't you, on the council? I mean, you had to you had to do what they keep saying up there in Washington that they intend and want to do but don't do. Well, it's, it's a lot easier when there's seven people to do something. And most of the stuff that fr- comes in front of the city council, potholes, uh, preservation issues. Um, Johnny had a wonderful statement that he made one time when we had a preservation discussion he said, in my neighborhood, we have preservation of the involuntary kind. And I think there are scholars that have suggested that one of the reasons why we have such an incredible inventory of architecture is because we were too poor to tear it down and because the people who lived in those houses didn't do the kinds of things that ruin the architecture. Yeah, I, I've, I've often made that observation that because we had a long period of time when New Orleans didn't grow, when other cities were growing and tearing everything down and building high-rises, that didn't happen here. So we oh. retained the old, um, more sort of human-scaled city. But he was funny. Johnny Jackson was very funny. And he, a lot of the things that I remember about him have to do with just little cracks that he would make. I sat next to him for that time. So uh, some of the- All the whole time? 
Really? We wow. sat in a certain we order. We sat in a cer- certain order, and we sat next to each other. But we, we never got together. The council members never get together outside of the council meeting. It's not like we hang out together at different times. Uh, occasionally there's an event or something that we'll all go to. But I, I was kind of surprised at that because I thought, oh, well, I'll be, be hanging out with these people when I first went on the council. But the only time we really got together was during the meetings. Mm-hmm. But the cracks that he would make? Lots of cracks. Lots <laughs> of very funny cracks. Is that uh, something, Mac, that was uh, part of your relationship with him? Was he kind of a natural comedian in a sense? Mm, no, I never saw him that way because I guess you could call me a comedian in a sense. Uh-oh. <laughs> there were certain things that I'd say to him, and he might make a joke about it, and other things that I'd say to him. And, uh, and I'd make a joke the opposite way. But we were just good friends. We had a chemistry going between us uh, for a lot of years. And if you looked at his service to community, there's a lot of things right there on that one page that says a whole lot involvement. I was involved with him with WWOZ. I was on the board of the um, Jazz Fest. You and I were on the board together. So while I was busy in the community, too, because that's where I was taught, um, I can't list a whole page of involvements. Maybe I might go four or five, but if you look at that, that page, he was involved with all kinds of situations that mattered to New Orleans. You know, I, I sat next to Quint Davis at the funeral, and I ho- I'm not well, sure. another white person. I didn't, I didn't know. I thought there were only three of us. I was so angry about that, by the way. I really was angry because I, I, I believe if somebody serves the whole city that that there should be people from the whole city there. And I was disappointed to see how few white people were there. I just want to say that. I didn't that. know whether – I think there was a, a, an opportunity to pay respects to Johnny the day before, the night before. So maybe some folks were and there. And I think probably before. people went there because mm-hmm. I had – I was not able to go then because I had other obligations. But I was going to just drop in and pay my respects, and I, I walked into this the whole big production that was going on, which was impressive beyond. But uh, Qu- I, I don't know if I heard him right, but I think Quinn Davis told me that Johnny was on the board of the Jazz Fest for 40 years. Oh, wow. Is that right? Yeah. Is that possible? Yeah. I mean, that is a long time. Yeah. I, I didn't know that myself, um, but uh, you could, because of the number of, I've never been to a funeral where as, nev- as many people testified, talked about the, the person who had just passed as at Johnny's funeral. I've just never seen anything like that. Well, I expected that because, as I said, he had friends all over, no matter what district you were in, because he bothered to take the time to hear what their complaints were. With their, and if he knew her and she was from another district, he's going to put it on her. Whether she agrees with it or not is a different thing. We didn't agree on lots of things. Well, that's what I'm but saying. But it didn't but mean that we weren't pals. Well, I didn't say that. And it was that's a very what interesting. I what I was indicating yeah. is that no matter what district you were from or what your belief and you're trying to support your people, uh, if one of your people from that area puts something on that concerned him, he's going to talk to you about it. Whether he wins that conversation or not is a different thing. But he's going to talk to you about it. And that's the way he was throughout the whole city. He was easy to be friends with, very easy. Yeah, yeah. I think also um, one of the things <coughs> I think was important about him, and um, I, I guess this is true of people who want to serve on city council, you have to want to 
not only respond and, and care, but you have to follow through. Mm-hmm. You have to go the extra yards to take care of all those the smaller issues. It's the bottom of the political food chain. So all the little things, and people amazingly call you about things that you have absolutely no jurisdiction over. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have called about, I, I listen with interest in your conversation that you just had about plants and about the plants dying. Well, I don't know anything about plants living or dying, but people would call, what do I do about my plants <laughs> that, that because of the freeze? Almost as if you had some influence on whether or not the weather was cold or, or warm or whatever. But they would call you for for little things, which is the most wonderful thing about a, a political office like that is the actual personal relationships that you can establish. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and um, you know, I can't help uh, but ask you, and, and if you don't, both of you mind, I'm going to veer uh, from talking strictly about Johnny to, to the, the worlds that you live in. And, and Peggy, there's a whole new council now. Um, Cindy Wynn, Helena Moreno, um, uh, Jay Banks, um, uh, who am I missing? Uh, Jeruso. Jay- Jeruso is new. Um, so these are all new faces. This is a big turnover. I, I don't know if this is common uh, that you have that much turnover, but um, you were on there for, as you said, 12 years. So what are your sort of top key recommendations that you would make to these new council people, uh, both from the perspective of your years that you served there, but also the times that we're in, which are very different. The job of a councilman is to listen to the constituents and try to help them accomplish the things that they want to accomplish. Because for the most part, people that live in neighborhoods care about their neighborhoods and know about their neighborhoods. And if you think you know more than they do, you couldn't be more wrong. So the number one job is to listen and then to take it to heart and to try to, if people say we don't want this or we do want that or this is a problem, pay attention. Don't say I know better than that. Um, And it always amazes me when council members don't pay attention to their constituents because that's who elects them. You would think that would be the main source of their inspiration (coughs) would be the people who live in their districts. And that's one of the things that I learned after uh, (laughs) Katrina. I was involved in a lot of the planning phases, and I went to tons and tons and tons of meetings all over the city. And it is amazing how much people know about their neighborhoods and the value of their, not just their knowledge and, and their perspective, but their wisdom in right. how to deal with the issues that they have in their neighborhoods. So, again, they, they do have something to offer, not just from knowing their neighborhoods, but from knowing how to deal with things. Why wouldn't you listen to them? Mm-hmm. It's the question. Mm-hmm. No, I think she's totally right. And, and there's something that she said a few minutes ago that I had prefaced before, is that he was the kind of person.